Wow, I love how you contextualize activism in such simple terms, right? Because I think that for many of us, when we see activism, we some of us, we kind of see it from a distance, you know? And I love what you bring out, like you brought to the table the birth of your activism, right? I remember, um, and maybe we can all share a, a story that you can remember your introduction to activism, even if you don't consider yourself to be an activist, you know? I remember when I was, I would say somewhere between seven and nine years old, and we were living in Philly at the time. We were living in West Oak Lane area, Mount Airy in Philly. And I was at my uncle's house with other family and we were watching, um, actually there was other people. I think there were other, more than just family in the room, but we were watching the, um, I want to say it was live. I mean, you didn't see too many live things happening in like the early 80s uh, on TV, but I think it was a live video feed of the bombing of Move in Philadelphia. And um, if you all are not familiar, this was a group of people who were living radically um, to us, maybe they weren't being radical to themselves, you know, and they called themselves MOVE, M-O-V-E. They all, many of them, if not all of them, um, they were definitely activists. They were definitely um, living intentionally together, but the city had a problem with them. And I remember watching what was taking place. They did not... Um, they, they were intentional about how they um, showed up in terms of their appearance. They didn't show up like the conventional everyday quote unquote, because there are everyday quote unquote American that just live their lives, right? But this, this group of people decided we're not gonna live like everybody else. In fact, many of them live together in the same house, right? More than just blood family. And the city of Philadelphia did not like how these folks were living. Not only that, they didn't like their activism and they bombed their house. There were little children in the house, little babies running out of the house, some naked, maybe they were about to take a bath or whatever, running out of this burning house. And not only did they bomb and burn down their home, but the entire block was destroyed. I remember watching this between seven or nine years old and I was like, that ain't right. It's not right. And I feel like it was the, it was one of those moments that I felt like my activism, my radical nature, um, we're going to talk about compassion in a couple of weeks. Like that birthplace for me happened in Philly watching move. How about y'all? Do you remember a time when you saw something, maybe you heard something and that was like your introduction to activism? I think um, Trayvon Martin, like that, that was despicable for me. Like that was the first, that, I think that was like the first time that it really like just stuck. Like, cause I mean, I don't, what year was that? Um, I was young. 
I, I wasn't. I, I was young. Do y'all know when uh, Trayvon Martin? I was young. Anyway. Um, and so that really just. It really was just like, whoa. Whoa. 2012. Yeah, I was seven. My brother was just born. I was seven years old. That was that was when I got introduced to the injustice part of part of life. That's that's when it first started. And I just I just remember sitting down and was like talking to my parents about it. And I was just like there was like a, a there was a pain in my heart because I was just like, why? Like that was that was my first that was my first thought, like why? And just seeing the way the world reacted to it, um, and seeing seeing just everything play out, that was like my first, that was like the first, you know, um, introduction to it. Yeah, I think I would say like the same thing, kind of like the Trayvon Martin thing, because that's kind of like the first time I can actually remember like something actually happening. Cause I think I was about like eight at the time or something. So I can like actually recall that whole situation, like remember it. And I just kind of remember myself thinking, so if I wear a hood and go outside, I'm going to get shot. Like that was just my thought. And I was honestly very scared. Like I was just like, okay, so we're the same skin color. And, you know, like, I, it was just scary. Like, I was just like, okay, so what can I really do? Like, I'll just not wear a hood or I'll just wear a hood or I didn't know what to do because people were protesting. They were saying, okay, we're going to wear hoods. But I'm like, no, if you wear a hood, you're going to get shot. And then, like, it was just such a confusing kind of time. But then it just kept happening over and over and over again in different situations. And I'm like, okay, it's not just the hood. It's now, you can't sit in your car. You can't wait in your bed at night. You can't play games with your friends. You can't do anything while being black. So it was- You can't ask for help. Renisha McBride, you can't ask for help. You can't ask for help. You can't can't breathe at this point without being reminded that you're black because yeah, so I guess that was like the spark for me that I just kept seeing the cycle go over and over and over and over. And now I'm still seeing it more and it even happened to certain people in my family. So it's just like, I think that's what sparked it for me, realizing that there was nothing I could do to get away from it. I couldn't not wear a hood. I couldn't not do this. There was nothing that I could stop from me being black. So I just had to get up and do something about it, about the way we we're being treated. Um, so for me personally, it wasn't as big as, you know, people's getting, people getting shot or people getting killed or anything like that. For me, it actually happened to me. I know when I was younger, I went to the school, it it will remain nameless. I went to the school and I just didn't feel equal. Not because I had different people or different complexions, but because I was just being treated differently just because of the way I looked. And I was in kindergarten, so I was only what five or five I think it was five and I just I didn't know how to feel about it because I didn't know what how to describe it how to get it across yet but looking back I was like that wasn't fair like not recently but just looking back at my experience probably like when I was seven or 
maybe even six, I was like, that's not fair. That's not, that's not nice as a five-year-old would say. Like, I just don't, yeah, that's not kind or anything like that. But that's what I would say. That's what I guess got it for me. Um, so I would say, um, just like Maya, Trayvon Martin, for me, that's when I kind of noticed it. I didn't really um, say anything, didn't really feel a lot of emotion there because I was kind of young. And so I was kind of like, that's not fair. But, you know, I, I don't I, I wouldn't know what to expect because I was so young. But what really stuck for me was this year with um, uh, ooh, George Floyd. I that stuck because for me, I saw the video. I, I saw everything take place. I saw him on the ground. I saw him calling for his mom. It wasn't fair. That that stuck with me. I was like, what if George Floyd was a different color? Would that have changed anything? Would, would that have been different? Or is this just something overall? Is this now what we do in America? Is this, is this how we interact with people now? And I, that really, I think that really stuck for me. It was probably this year, earlier on this year. Wow, I like you bringing up George Floyd's name, just like, wow, what a great segue. Um, I wanna thank God for George Floyd's life, um, the life of his daughter, I believe, his family and friends and community. And I pray that his life will not have been taken in vain um, because people will, people did, and people will continue to rise up, you know, and correct the wrong, right? And so here we have Pastor Darnisha who participated in the uprising that took place in that neighborhood, in that community, in those twin cities, right? And I just counted a privilege and an honor that you would be willing to spend some time with us considering the fact that we're an hour ahead of you and it's a Friday. <laughs> and I wonder, can you help us to contextualize what activism looks like as a ministry? Thank you for that question. And yeah, I told you this was a perfect segue actually like the George Floyd, cause I guess that's why I'm here. Um, as far as you know what it looks like in ministry, so with George Floyd, um, that happened back in May, and I was going through it because we're dealing with COVID. We are still dealing with COVID. And I know the next time that y'all hear that people will hear this is COVID is still happening, it's still at large. So I just got burnt out one day and I was at my little, I had my little prayer corner, my Selah corner. And I just say, God, I know I'm tired. I know I'm going through my personal life issues. I'm alone. I need to be used by you. I, I just need a double portion of your Holy Spirit. I need you to tell me what to do. And and this was after my devotional, after I did my, I think I did journaling as well. And I noticed that um, as soon as I got off, I was led to my Facebook. There we are. I, uh, I was led to my Facebook um, 
account, my Facebook app, and I see something, I follow um, a couple of groups locally here in Minnesota, and they said, protest. So I'm like, what was this protest about? Because, you know, I'm like, there, there's always been a protest here lately. There's a lot of stuff that's happened um, here in Minnesota, like a lot of uh, anniversaries. But long story short, I looked at it and they said um, George Floyd. And then I see a couple of my friends posting stuff about Minneapolis police. So I'm thinking it's something old. And I got on, I realized, nah, this happened the day before. And they said there's a protest at five o'clock that um, that day, and I'm like, so normally I don't watch videos about police brutality because I just for the sake of my mental health. But something told me to just watch, just so I can get a feel of where the location was. And yeah, uh, like what Madison mentioned, it was rough. Um, you know, hearing someone call for his mom. Um, this is being recorded. And by the way, the, the person who recorded George Floyd, she actually got honored. Um, I forget, Darnell, I think her name is Darnella. Um, forgive me if I mess up the name. But she was a teenager. She used her phone as a way of recording, as a witness. So that's one um, there's one point that you can use. The power of recording is um, is important. So she recorded this, and we're everybody is watching a man being killed. Um, a person put his whole knee to a man's neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds. This is what we call a modern day lynching. Um, this is a modern day lynching, and I was just disturbed. You know, I had people checking in to see how I was doing. I said, guys. I want to go to this protest, but it's COVID. Um, I'm trying to get sick. I'm not, I'm, I'm living by myself, so I don't know what to do. And I had to pray and I asked God. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I try to come up with reasons why I should be out. Um, the moment after I saw the video, I reached out to my senior pastor. And we both, I said, hey, because he, um, he serves as a police chaplain for the police department. So I said, hey. Did you just see what I just saw? He said, yes, and I'm upset. I'm livid. So I said, listen, we need to type up a statement on behalf of our church saying that stuff like this has no place in our church. And which is why I I, I showed you guys Genesis 126, which says when God, in, during and I know you wonder why are we going back to creation? Why are we saying God created man in our own image? That's the reason, that's the initial basis of why activism is important. 